Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This truly is an episode straight from the heart because today is such a special day. I have someone on the show today to help me introduce a project that's so dear to my heart and something that's been years in the making. Joining me today is Eric Farenholm. Eric is a happiness researcher with a background in cognitive neuroscience. He's an expert and keynote speaker on the hugely important topic of how inner happiness connects to a sustainable world. He is the co-founder of 29K, a nonprofit digital platform making the best psychological tool for healing and personal growth available to millions of people across the globe. 29K is making life-changing tools for self-compassion and mental health available to everyone for free. That's right, for free. What a resume, what a project, what a day. Welcome to the show, Eric. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. I'm so glad to be here. Amazing. Just, just introducing you. I literally have my hands up in the air <laughs> right now. I'm like power posing. <laughs> yeah, I am so happy that you're here. First of all, yeah, this podcast is called Conversations from the Heart. So, speaking from the heart, how are you doing right now? Mm, I am, um, of course, a little bit nervous, but uh, but I'm doing great. I had an amazing day, and yeah, and I'm really excited for this. This has been um, something I've been longing for for a long time. So so I'm I'm amazing. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> you are amazing. I I feel amazing too. It's kind of like I, I was really thinking about how to frame this conversation because you and I have been having this conversation for two years. And we've been having it in secret because we've been working on this secret thing for two years. And now it's it's almost this anticlimactic moment of how do you introduce something to the world that you have been so involved with for such a long time? And today is the day. It's almost like a like a birthday of sorts. Yeah, it is. I mean, this has been... Uh... We've been so many individuals, so many researchers, experts, um, and working with you for this time. And now finally, we're inviting people to take part and be part of this. So yeah, I can't be more excited. Yeah, it's a really big day. So this podcast episode, of course, we're going to do a a big deep dive into this anticipated project that we just released just a few days ago to the whole world called 29K. So I'm hoping or I think that a lot of people listening already know what 29K is. And I hope a lot of people are already taking part of the tools that are available on the platform. But for the people who have no clue, who are you (laughs) and what is 29K? I guess uh, all my life I've been really interested in uh, the kind of topics of like why we do what we do, happiness, meaning in life, relationships, kind of like, yeah, how we also get lost in setting up goals that don't lead to anywhere. And that passion has kind of led me to find these amazing tools that really heal and enable people to grow from research. And now 29K is about and making those tools and processes that, you know, the best minds in the world have created and make them available to to you, to the people who need them. So it's an online platform, it's an app you download, and through that you get access to, you know, tools for becoming more present, for becoming more compassionate to yourself, uh, to finding your values in life, 
And the cool thing is that you don't do this alone. So it's not just about the tools, but rather being part of a community and a process. So you do live video calls with other participants who are just like you, and then you support each other through that journey of personal growth, basically. Has this ever, as far as you know, has this ever been attempted or done before? No, not, not at this scale. I mean, um, so there's so many beautiful places, physical meeting places for people to, you know, uh, have access to great courses and programs all around the world. But, but uh, making them available to millions of people and doing that for free, I don't think that technology has been mature enough for that uh, up until now. But now with live video calls and, you know, streaming and apps and everybody having access to phone for the first time in history, we can actually make sure that those processes that, you know, prior to this were exclusive and expensive and hard to find. Now we can actually make them available to everyone and, and have a really deep experience. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to pay for it. Like it doesn't have to cost because, I mean, the, the digital world doesn't work in the same way. Yeah, and I think that's what makes what makes 29K so special is that that it is a nonprofit. No one is at the end of this thinking, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money after I release this amazing app that's going to help connect people. But it's actually for the greater good. Yeah, exactly. So when we started it, we, we said, um, I mean, let's, let's try to do this and make it as its own foundation nonprofit and do it with the best researchers in the world. And the reason basically is, I mean, of course, we want to make people feel happier, but it's also from just looking at the state of the world today and saying that, um, you know, we need to strengthen people and people's ability to create healthy environments around themselves, uh, for others. And we think that that is probably one of the most important things to do globally around the world today is, is kind of a, a inner sustainability and an inner growth so, so that we can together, you know, navigate and build a more sustainable society. Because uh, what we're seeing today is you know, more and more symptoms, from where I'm standing at least, of uh, people not being able to cope with a extremely complicated and confusing, you know, uh, world. No, it's it's absolutely so true. And it's so, I was thinking about just this morning preparing for this talk, just how how we met, how you and I connected for the first time and, and the place I was in in my own life at that time. So it was it was 2017. I can't remember exactly what month, but I was a brand new mom. And I actually, I have a, a really well, highly listened to podcast episode that I recorded in the building where you and I met in our old offices in, in Stockholm. And it's the episode called, it's called like stories from a sleep deprived mother or something. And it's basically one hour of me crying into the microphone because <laughs> I had such a hard time as a new mom. I felt really isolated. I felt like I didn't have a lot of help. I had to soldier on and push through. And then somehow during that time of just, just, just having had a baby, I connected to you through Rafia, who is the, the co-founder of Path of Love. And I talk about Path of Love so much on this platform, on this podcast, so many people uh, in this community know about Path of Love. And it was one of those meetings, I remember, because I, I remember having a really hard week overall, like that week where, uh, you know, I, I was trying to get things done and moving the business and, and while being a new mom, not really having a lot of help, really actually struggling on my own, but not wanting to to share that really with anyone or not really having any tools to talk about it. And then uh, Rafia told me, hey, I have this great guy you should be connecting with. 
<laughs> and then somehow you and I ended up in like a little conference room <laughs> at Norskien in Stockholm. And I remember I, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know what you did. I had no clue. I just knew I love and trust Rafia. So yeah, I'll go meet this guy. Do you remember kind of the the first thoughts you had about about that meeting so long ago? Absolutely. I mean, uh, me not being that active on uh, social media and Rafia connecting us and me doing some research and trying to understand who is this person that I'm going to meet. And then we sitting in this small cramped little conference room. I remember just just the feeling of us um, sharing a lot of it felt like we're kind of sharing the same direction of like, uh, you know, inner growth being super important so trying to create something good in the world, trying to uh, support people's development. Um, and it just felt that like, oh my God, we're doing the same thing in a little bit different angles, but we're doing the exact same type of thing. Um, and it just felt um, so natural to uh, to explore what we could do together. Yeah. And I remember the big sort of epiphany of, of that first meeting is uh, the the main challenge that we were discussing within the yoga girl community or the yoga girl group was how can we make the healing tools that we work with every day, which of course include the practice of yoga, meditation, heart healing tools, tools from holistic psychology, personal development, all the things that we use in the room, right? So during retreats and trainings and big classes and and. So some things we are trying to sort of apply in the online world, like journaling and sharing. And we were sitting with this big problem of how on earth will we ever make be able to make this accessible to more people than who we can fit in the Luna Shala at Island Yoga, for instance. And then I got to connect with you and you said, oh, our goal with 29K is we're going to change 5 million people's lives in five years. <laughs> and I remember my jaw was on the floor, like, oh, <laughs> here's someone who, who knows how to dream the bigger dream here. So how is that how is that goal coming about right now? I mean, it's two years later, the initial goal of five million people, five years. That's a pretty ambitious thing. How is that looking right now? I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, right now it's looking um, surprisingly realistic, which is really weird to say. I mean, so many people out there are alone. They don't have great tools. They don't have a community where they can get support. And what we're seeing more and more is that uh, there's this massive need to to bridge these worlds and to enable people to have a great process that they can trust. And uh, that they know that isn't built around them, you know, coming back again and paying for another course. So what, what we're seeing is that um, more and more philanthropists are joining us. Uh, so people who have a lot of money and say, okay, and, and they're looking into like, how can I have an impact in the world that's positive? So they're joining and they're, they're funding a lot of programs. We also had, for example, the, the Swedish government just joined as a partner. Uh, so they're going to implement uh, programs around stress and resilience for all their employees. So the, more and more, this goal of five million transformed lives within five years seems realistic. But I mean, we're trying to, <laughs> uh, even though we're aiming really high, we also know that this is a extremely tricky thing to do. And we're humbled by that task. But we're doing our best. Uh, and we have the best researchers in the world around, for example, self-compassion that have joined and that are uploading their tools and their programs for free. Yeah, there's an immense power in the, in the, um, the belief that, that people can grow and that it is very important for society as well as themselves to do that. 
And I mean, that's the kind of work that you guys have been doing for years as well. So this is just doing that, but at a larger scale and with uh, self-facilitated groups uh, online. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll get into sort of the ins and outs of how the the platform actually works. But I would love for you to share a little bit. You know, how did how did this become so interesting to you? Was your background always <laughs> like cognitive neuroscience, happiness research? It sounds like is it was it your dream when you were a boy? Like one day. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna aim to change to change the whole world because this is a pretty it's it's not a small dream huh? starting with five million people five years. Yeah, no, I think this this started for me. I did I never had that dream uh, before, uh, and I mean I'm a little bit terrified by it as well. But I think for me the interest around these topics started really early, maybe too early for me, uh, when, um, so my father was a professional athlete. He was an Olympian. He was a discus uh, thrower and he was Swedish. He moved to the States to, um, to, you know, uh, compete and practice. But being a Olympic athlete in the eighties also meant massive amounts of pills, steroids. Yeah. A really vicious cycle that kind of uh, dragged him down and completely broke him. He, he actually passed away when I was 12 after being in, you know, in and out of rehab, really kind of for me, tough years. And I think the, the thing that I brought from that and what I learned a lot from this with the support from my mom, who's an amazing woman, was that even grown-ups uh, and the goals that we have in society, uh, they can lead us to very dark places. Even though it sounds great to be, you know, famous and rich and big and strong and a winner and an Olympic athlete on top of a pyramid uh, or a podium, but but there's a shadow side to that, and maybe that's not the entire truth. So, for me, I was questioning from you know age five, maybe like why. Why do we do what we do and how come people are obsessed with money and fame and all that when I'm seeing in my living room where that takes us and it kind of terrifies me. So so that uh, really tough period of my life kind of put me on a direction and a trajectory moving towards asking questions around meaning, around love, around connection, around why we do what we do. And uh, and that led me to, you know, study everything I could on the topic. I had a period of like when I was 18. So I moved from home when I was 15 to study. And then um, then I had a period when I was like 18 to 24, where I was like a <laughs> surf bum, kite surf instructor, like trying to find my own <laughs> happiness through just focusing on me and doing fun things and sailing across the Atlantic three times and doing like all these adventures. And eventually I was like, this feels narcissistic and this feels empty. Uh, like I'm just living the same thing that my father was doing because I was a professional kite surfer for, for a while. And then eventually that kind of found, felt very empty. So I um, then I started dedicating my life basically full time for to understand this question of, of uh, how do you live a meaningful life? And that pulled me into the research around these topics. Like what do we really know about it? Uh, not closing off from other ways of understanding these things with spirituality and stuff like that, but 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 really kind of focusing on the research. And that led me to see that, wow, there's so much hope. There's so much there's so much healing that can be done. And uh, there's so much great stuff that really works for people. And then it saddened me that, like, this isn't taught in schools. Parents don't know it. I don't have access to it. But, but that, like, psychology 
I mean, it's amazing. Like they have, like all the psychologists around the world, they they know how to treat like almost ninety five percent of all the 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 problems that people have, and they also know how to build skills that really help enable people to transform their their worlds, like their their societies. So I mean, for me, that was a little bit shocking to understand, and then and then. I just couldn't stand uh, that gap, basically. So I started yeah, trying to work at that, basically. And that's kind of what led me here. And so what is that gap? So if the tools are out there, the science is out there, the research is out there, the people wanting to provide these tools are out there, how come people don't have access to them? What's, what, what, what is the gap? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, and this may be a little bit of a pessimistic approach, but in one sense... Like the business model around personal development is to actually keep people coming back for more. So if I'm if I'm uh, you know selling uh, personal growth lectures, for example, I would want people to come back and you know buy my services more and more and more. It takes a lot from that individual, uh, a lot of wisdom, I'd say, and a lot of care to say, like I want to make myself not needed as mm. your support hmm. that would kill my business model but but i care about you and i want you to learn how to fish by yourself learn how to cope by yourself learn how to do whatever you need to do so in one sense it's like the pharmaceutical industry that isn't there's no real incentive for them to create a kind of one pill solution for a sickness if they could they'd rather have the kind of lifetime structure of coming back for more uh, which is, I mean, it's not evil people trying to do that, but it's just the way that the market works. So, and that, that saddens me because it's not helpful. It's not really, then the market structure isn't really helping people to heal and to grow and to become better parents uh, or better friends. So I think that that's, that's at least one major cause because we, we, we also know, uh, as I mentioned, like the research is quite clear. So there's more of a kind of have a gap between the people who are, are in pain or want to grow or in need of that uh, and finding these kind of, I, hopefully it would be more of a kind of a nonprofit or uh, other types of structures that would bridge these tools that we know are great to the people who need them so that you, so that you as somebody who, are, who wants to grow or wants to develop some skill or you know work with an issue that you have in your life that you actually know that you can trust the people who are supporting you so that they they um, they can give you those tools. Right. I mean, trust is such a such a huge component, and I think uh, I think that was one of the first things you guys identified. Right. How was that process in terms of okay, we're gonna create a product essentially, or create a platform that will enable us to provide life changing tools for people who really need them. So I mean, we're talking not just not just regular day-to-day -day people like you and me who want to feel happier or who want to feel like we belong, but people who are out there who, you know, are genuinely depressed, working through real mental health challenges. Uh, there are people out there who are suicidal, who've been through huge amounts of traumas in their life. How do you take that into account in terms of creating safe spaces online? Because I, I find that personally, it's been a big challenge and a big task for us within our little community over at Yoga Girl, I think. How can we make sure this is a safe space for everyone to share, to speak, to open up? How have you met that challenge at 29K? Yeah, and this is this is one of the central questions. Is like if if we want to, if one would want to support a large uh, amount of people, how how do you do that? How do you keep it safe? And for us, 
So the programs are, are focused more towards prevention um, and not, for example, clinical treatment. So, so if we see that people are indicative of having clinical issues, we, we, um, we let them know and we try to support them in finding help. Uh, so we've listed all the kind of mental health supports and, survival and uh, suicide hotlines around the world. And that's in the app. So if any, anyone would be in that state, we wouldn't want them necessarily to actually uh, think that the, this tool would be the only solution or the solution for them, but actually make sure that they're getting more professional help. And maybe uh, if that professional then says that, yeah, I, I also looked through the, the, the program on 29KM and I, I'd advise you to, to continue that program. That could be possible. So for the really severe cases, I do truly believe that that you'd need uh, professionals working with them. But for people who aren't in that state or in, in that type of need, which is the majority, I mean, most, most people are, are struggling with something and maybe it hasn't become severe yet or clinical yet. So for, for that group of people, we see that we, we really can support them. And that's what the research also, also shows that you can do and that these tools really they really can, you know, decrease anxiety, decrease depressive symptoms. Yeah, they can really transform people's lives if you actually do the practice. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And then also, secondly, what, what we do when it comes to the, the space that we're creating is that we, we call it a principled space. So since it is peer um, created, so we don't have professionals uh, in the groups, uh, but rather have people coming there as adults, you know, supporting each other that we, we say that uh, we agree to these principles that, that everybody, uh, are, that we're all taking part of, and we hold each other accountable to them, but we can't guarantee that it will be this 100% safe space and nobody will ever do something wrong or do a mistake. Rather say, uh, this, is a, this is a principled space that we all agree to uh, align around and, and, and adhere as best we can to the rules, and if we if we don't uh, feel that this is a good space for us anymore, then everybody is also free to leave whenever they see fit. Mm -hmm. Other than that, we also built in like a safety toolkit. So there's tools in there to work with being overwhelmed, uh, with working with having strong emotional reactions, and also ways of getting other types of help uh, that we, we offer the, the individuals. So we create that kind of container that, that can help you both find professional help if that happens, uh, get the social support that you need, and then having some specific tools actually designed by researchers to help you work with strong emotions, because that that also happens, of course, when you're working in, in a type of process. Uh, but a lot of that right. you can also work with um, with your peers and and uh, work with by yourself. So essentially, I mean, it's very very similar to an in person experience. Yeah. Exactly. So the similarly to how we would run a retreat, for instance, here, or how Path of Love does their process, or the many, many, many healing groups that are available to people out there. Is there any specific model that you have seen in your research has worked better than others? Yeah, so, so there's most models out there are, um, I mean, that we can learn from, from most of them. And we've looked into a couple of hundred, I think. And the ones that we were, we've been looking specifically at are the ones that are peer created so so there is no necessary um, like uh, there's no expert or leader or sometimes you know you even have a guru there right so we said we said let's take the guru out of the equation because there's also something really powerful with a group just creating itself without that 
expert or without that leader. So what we have is, is uh, we've been looking into how AA is structured, which is a, a non-professional and peer-created space. We look into a lot of different types of organizations that, that, or structures that, that have been shown to be really effective, like group therapy and stuff like that. And, and it's amazing because, uh, so like one of the, there's, you, you basically need three major components to have transformation and to really grow. One is having the right tools, like evidence-based tools that really match your need or, I mean, just the right stuff. Secondly, you need to practice them over time, like the, the quick fix and the, like just do this and everything will be okay. Doesn't really, it's a good story and just another self-help book will do it. That story is kind of broken because like the last self-help book didn't really help. So why do you think the next one will? Now I'm, I'm generalizing, but a lot of, because some books really do transform people's lives. But the third component, which is the most important one, is human connection. This is kind of why, and this is re- it blew my mind when I read it. So they did a really cool study on on um, psychological treatment, like therapy, and what they found was that it's not the the method that the therapist is using that's the thing. It's just the safe relationship. Like that was a much bigger predictor of uh, treatment working. Was do you feel that this is a a relationship where you dare explore who you are, you don't feel judged, you feel listened and heard and seen. Uh, And just that, uh, together with some tools, is kind of what is needed to transform your life. The cool thing about that is we can actually create that with other people, with strangers, as long as we, you know, we just, it's quite quite simple. Like, uh, if you want to create that environment with other people, like, don't interrupt, listen to them deeply, and don't try to fix them. That's kind of, that's <laughs> basically it. Like, don't give your advice. Your advice probably doesn't help. It'll, they'll probably feel a little bit disconnected if you start with advice giving. But if you just listen to them and, like, be there, present with them, then they start hearing themselves. And that is such a powerful thing when it comes to, to growth. Because uh, there's so few moments in our lives that we really feel heard. By another human being um, so we've had participants you know go through the program and they were like uh, after it they were like uh, yeah this really changed my life like I I, um, I didn't know that other people were just like me when it comes to those struggles like I'm just like them I didn't I had no clue that that was actually the case because nobody I don't speak about these things with my friends and it was amazing to just be heard have you know two or three other people just listen to me for 15 minutes and not interrupt but just hear me and you know they say this with tears in their eyes and it's just a it's such a it's really powerful to to see that it's just a yeah it's a blessing i mean it's so so beautiful how simple it actually it actually is I mean, the, the, the concept of sharing, I, I talk about on this podcast all the time. It's, it's deeply changed my life. I could not imagine ever doing a single class, a single you know, training, retreat, any type of group work that didn't involve uh, teaching people or for them to learn the tool of actively listening to someone else. And I find it so, it's so fascinating to be on both sides of that listening actively, learning how to hold space for someone, how to be totally present with them and just see them. You know, no one really teaches you that. <laughs> I think we, we kind of grow up in that sense where no one really sees us, no one really listens to us, no one's just there, right? So how on earth could we ever 
grow up and then magically know how to apply that to other people. So that cycle just kind of continues. It's, it's so, uh, so beautiful. I would love to, let's, let's talk a little bit about how the platform actually works so people can form an, a little image of how this, how this, how this process actually is. So 29K, it's an app. You download the app. Exactly. So you download the app. The first thing that happens is you, you do a kind of mini reflection uh, on, uh, on your life, basically. So it's like your 90-year birthday looking back. How would you uh, want to have lived your life? And then you share that story with other people um, anonymously if you want to. And you can see what they have shared. Then you're onboarded into the, to the app. Uh, and you basically... Through that onboarding, you learn some basic principles. You hear some about the research that we're building this on and, and that we're a nonprofit and stuff like that, just so people understand what type of environment this is that they're entering. Because it is a weird app. I mean, nobody really has done this before. <laughs> so, so, I mean, um, and, and, and people are very skeptical as well. They're like, what? Can I go deep and, you know, share vulnerably with strangers? Uh, and people are really surprised that, that that is actually the case. And it's, it's such a beautiful, strong process. And then secondly, they're really skeptical. So they're like, but online? Seriously? Can you do deep work online <laughs> in your phone? Uh, and what we're seeing is the cool thing is that you're not at a retreat. You're not with a, you know, a professional. But you're actually at home in your couch and I mean, that's like one of the safest place in the world, safest place in the world. So, so uh, people just get a picture of what this is when they're onboarding in, and then they can choose some like the different programs that we have on the on the platform. And there's also so there's programs on there that is we're designing them in an eight week format. And then there's there's more like needs based tools. We call them singles. So it's more stuff that that could help you uh, when you're in a moment of stress or overwhelm or uh, you know want to connect with um, the present moment or gratitude. There's some tools for that. But the eight week program is really the the heart of the experience. So so the way that they work is that you you choose the the, the theme, the topic, and and the one that that we are kind of leading with and launching now is the one on self compassion. Because uh, the 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 impact that has on people's lives is even stronger and more um, effectful than a lot of mindfulness, for example. So so this really has shown to change people's lives, which is super cool. So and that's where where I come in too, yeah, <laughs> which is this well. <laughs> the self compassion course. And I I really remember when because this you know of course two years ago talking about. What, what you guys are creating and what's coming and it's just it feels so um, in Swedish we say like totally revolutionary thinking this whole amazing thing like of course we'd love to be a part and then you said yeah so we'll we'll design a course and pick a theme you know we spoke about self-love self-compassion being sort of the central theme about what I teach and, and, and the way I share. And all throughout this whole, you know, we had a long process of planning and preparing and then designing this course and all of these things that are going to be part of it. And all throughout it, <laughs> I remember like just feeling so excited, totally clear. This is awesome. And it wasn't until I was in front of a camera with you <laughs> that I realized like, oh, I, I have to do this work now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which is like of course of course you know that's it's like the fundamental principle of teaching anything you can't teach anything if you're not also the student you have to do the work yourself and for me it's been it, it's kind of been like you have been my weird friend quasi therapist <laughs> for for two years where we engage in very very vulnerable very intimate very heartfelt sessions and then we don't talk for two months <laughs> and that's been the process of creating this course right because that's how we a a big principle for establishing trust which i really think is is also where social media can play a really wonderful role Uh, i think the positives of of connecting and how people uh, really do feel a sense of trust with people even though we haven't met in person and i think the yoga girl platform is such a beautiful example of that of me being able to take this course and then share this course and invite everyone listening right now to to join alongside with me. Exactly, and and this is this is what we're seeing. So this is where where the, the kind of uh, app comes comes to life, uh, and that's when you when you start the program, you're basically kind of thrown into an exercise about self compassion, and that's where one of the the first exercises is about. Uh, I mean, the inner critic. Like how we really are harsh uh, towards ourselves, especially when we've done something that maybe we're not proud of or feel inadequate. And and this is where it's interesting, uh, where where you know the digital media can really amplify uh, these tools. So when you go into the app, you get to take part of your sharing, Rachel. Uh, so you are sharing the the inner critic live um, or you've done it live and we have that video so it's in the app and then they kind of um, have that content and other individuals content to our sharings as inspiration when they themselves are working through the exercise so and this the, the cool thing about this is just hearing that other people also have an inner critic for example and an inner best friend of course is in itself something that that uh, transforms people's lives because most of the time we think that we're alone with this, but we're not. Uh, so just being part of that and writing out that exercise, research shows that that, that is a really important component to create uh, you know, a happier, healthier life. And then after that lesson, like after you've done the exercise and you can see uh, you going through it as well, then you're invited to create a sharing group or join a sharing group. So you just choose a date and a time, and then you have that time that recurs every week. So you actually go into a process of, of practicing. So then there's one lesson for each week uh, and one like a live video sharing with um, you know a couple of four to six other participants. And how do you find them? How do you find those other people? How do you know who, who else you'll be, you'll be paired with? Yeah, so, so the, uh, the app kind of does that for you. Uh, so you choose a you choose what time uh, you are available. Um, what time would be a good time for you to kind of continuously practice for the coming eight weeks? And right now, that's so you're choosing the self compassion theme. So you know that all all participants want to do uh, that practice and be part of that. And then you guys are sorted by the same time. So it can be people from all over the world that have you know just that time slot so we we sort all the time differences you don't have to think about that and then uh, you have your first sharing session at that time in the app so we built our own video solution that 
that helps you um, self-facilitate this live video session. And, uh, and I mean, if you feel that that group is, is something you want to continue with, then you just move on and, and do the same time next week. And this is really, I mean, I've been part of, of uh, I've been taking this, this course a couple of times by myself. And also uh, some of the users are also gifting their stories and their sharings to us because usually this is a completely anonymous space. So, so we can't see anything that happens between the groups or in the live video sessions. But, but just, I mean, the stuff that, like the relationships that I've gotten through this app have been amazing. Like I really feel that I have a couple of more uh, heartfelt friends who I really know. Like, I mean, in some sense, I know them better than a lot of my other friends. And this is what people say is, is that, that the space that is created between uh, the participants in, in these groups is really, really special and very supportive and, and uh, caring. And it's just for practicing basically together. And for the past, yeah, yeah, almost almost two years. So the, the yoga girl uh, teacher training graduates, they've been kind of guinea pigs <laughs> for 29K. We've also had people who've been to our retreats who've, who've tested the app and then some people from the Yoga Girl community group on, on Facebook as well. So it's been kind of slowly introducing more and more people. And what's been the most surprising thing for you in terms of the, of the response? Because I remember there were moments in the beginning of like, okay, testing this out for the first time, you know, is it gonna, is it gonna, is it gonna work? What's gonna happen? What's gonna be the result? What's been the most surprising uh, response that you've received? I think the the most surprising thing is, and it's a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit painful to say because it's that uh, there's so many people out there who don't really have a community of support or, you know, relationships that they feel they can be themselves in. And the beautiful thing about uh, this, what, what kind of has surprised me the most is how quickly People who don't know each other can really connect and create an, an amazing connection just through being honest and vulnerable. Um, so, I mean, I've had, I've had friends who took taking the program and they're like, oh, my God, this is very similar to what I work with with my therapist. But the cool thing here is that here I also get to take part of other people's stories and how they are living. And that's something I don't do with my therapist, of course. So just the feeling that that uh, not being alone and that there is kind of hope, uh, like that we're we're not broken. There is hope, and we need to just practice together. So what what has surprised me is is that that can really be created between strangers and online, and those are kind of the only two limiting factors for this to really be possible to to uh, make accessible to the entire world, basically. You need an internet connection. You need a phone and you need an internet connection or you need to borrow somebody's phone and, um, and have an internet connection, yeah. Yeah, so it's safe to say it's accessible to a whole of a lot of people right now. Yeah. And the fact that it's free, I mean, a huge amount of resources have gone into this. You spent years developing this super complex <laughs> tech platform. Uh, you have 30 people on your team. How on earth is this free and will continue to be free? Yeah, I mean, what we said from the get-go was let's make this available to everyone who needs it because uh, the world kind of needs that, that as many people as possible uh, kind of uh, heal, grow, 
and and you know extend their care and responsibility in the world so that they can create positive change wherever they are uh, and that shouldn't be limited to the amount of money you have in your bank account that should be a human right so we said together with a couple of very um, rich philanthropists uh, who themselves have actually had kind of these really strong experiences of personal growth uh, and transformation and see how and seen for themselves how that has transformed their lives like they know at the bottom of their heart they know that this can change the world if people reconnect with themselves uh, with what they think is important with others and with the world and you know nature even uh, and that has the power to really shift what people how people act what they do what they invest in stuff like that so so there's only there's a small handful of, of um, philanthropists uh, so it's it's the the Norgen Foundation in Sweden that's uh, so translated that's the the Northern Lights Foundation and the the Oak Island Foundation Ekvärts Foundation those two were the were the initiating foundations that both poured in a lot of resources into starting 29k that is now its own foundation and then more and more philanthropists have have joined this mission and we hope that even more will join because the cool thing about this because it scales and because it's digital the goal for us within you know a year or two is to show that we can actually transform somebody's life with a permanent positive impact for them for less than ten dollars and that is, I mean, if you're a government or if you work in a school system or if you have a company, being able to transform somebody's way of relating to themselves and make them less stressed, less, less anxious, you know, taking more responsibility, being more proactive, acting from their values, that is, uh, the value of that is immense. And also not having to pay for, you know, the massive cost of, of uh, actually then later on, because of not being, not getting preventive support, you actually end up with a mental illness later on. That cost is, you know, astronomical. So, so we hope that more and more both governments and, and uh, philanthropists and NGOs join the mission and say, okay, cool, let's co-create this platform and let's do this together. And since it's a nonprofit and a foundation in itself, we... We don't try to own the stuff that we create. We actually just want to make sure that it's used as much as possible all over the world. And that's cool because that's, that's what the researchers uh, also love about this is that they, they want their tools to be used. They want, they want their tools to really help people out there. So a bunch of idealistic, uh, maybe naive uh, individuals. Uh, and I mean, the entire team is, uh, is they're, they're just heroes. They, a lot of them have taken a massive cut in pay and just because they want to be part of something meaningful, they want to con- contribute to this. So, so we really are at the core of 29K. We're very we're co-created uh, by the users who are gifting their stories and their data if they want to, and by by the team who is you know put their heart and soul into this, and all the people involved, and you as well, Rachel. I mean, <laughs> we've been working for this for quite some time. So we just we just believe in this idea. Yeah, that personal growth should be available for everyone. Uh, that's kind of what we're just working for. And then, of course, I mean, making that uh, that free and, and available is, is part of that mission. I'm I'm just smiling so so big right now because there's there's so much love put into this. I mean, from from beginning to end, it's just it's it's sort of magical. 
I, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's my deepest, deepest, deepest wish that, that everyone that come across the platform, everyone listening right now as this spreads that, that they can feel it as well, because we've been so in the trenches with this now for a long time that for us and for the team and for everyone who's been a part of this, it's like so obvious, you know, this is, this is a massive thing, totally, totally has the potential to change the world. And I, I would love to touch on something that I know people are going to ask and that I know is a response that I have received when I've spoken about, about 29K and about the self-compassion course is, uh, you know, the idea that, that this personal development work, that it's a little bit woo-woo, you know, that, that it's a little bit new age or, you know, does it actually work? And especially when it's related, you know, the work I do that relates to yoga and, you know, does that actually really help people long-term? What, what's your response to that in terms of the actual work that people are doing on the platform right now? I think the best way to answer that is, is I mean, looking historically, we're, we're coming from a, 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 a history that is, uh, you know, our focus in, in, in Western culture has been very much on the, on the physical world and, and raising the standard of living. So everything that is about the inner world, about emotions or thoughts or, you know, the personal story we have or culture always seems a little bit boo-boo and fluffy. But the cool thing is that, you know, since about 20 years back, the research has made these massive leaps forward and where we're discovering things about what it means to be human and how we actually, how society actually works and how we as individuals actually work that, that actually puts the inner world as a very, very, very uh, important and kind of focal point of also the problems that we're seeing in the world today. So the old story that we've been told is, you know, the inner world doesn't really matter. You're an individual. You should just focus on yourself, do whatever you want, and, and the society will kind of sort itself out. But, but today, I mean, with the environmental collapse, with Brexit, with, uh, you know, political parties becoming more and more extreme and leaders becoming more and more dogmatic, uh, you see that people are, are afraid uh, and they can't really navigate this complexity in the world. And what, what the research is crystal clear on is that the more you've actually worked on your inner world, like how you cope with your emotions, how your relationships work, what responsibility you believe that you have in society or in relation to you know, your own actions, that all of that can mature. Uh, and the more that matures, the not only healthier and longer do you live and happier you are, no matter, you know, the, the physical circumstances, but also the more impact you have in your world, the more positive impact and influence you're having in the entire system around you. Because in the Western world, I mean, the big paradox of today is we are richer than ever. We have, I mean, we are living the lives that, that kings dreamed of 500 years ago but we're actually feeling worse. So just focusing on the external won't really give us and isn't now giving us the kind of happy lives, fulfill, fulfillment or meaning that we're looking for. And we're kind of obsessed with uh, numbing that uh, with you know, more chocolate, more drugs, more you know, distractions, social media. And I think more and more people are kind of waking up to a sense of, of um, not 
feeling that they have this uh, have meaning in their lives basically because they're waking up every morning and just focusing on the material and they're also just focusing on on themselves uh, and thinking like if I just get what I want then I'll be happy but that according to research is a really 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 bad recipe for people who focus very much on themselves are more depressed than the average person and people who focus on what they want not considering, you know, their relationships or their responsibility to society or their impact on, on, on the context they're living in. They, I mean, that's actually the definition of a narcissist, somebody who's just focusing on what they want. And if they don't consider anything around them, that's a psychopathic narcissist. I mean, that's really not something we would want to strive for. I mean, just acknowledging the kind of mental health crisis and that around 18% of, of Western countries, of people in Western countries, eat some type of psychopharma, psychopharmaca, so anxiety pills or uh, antidepressants or sleeping pills. We're seeing that, that there is this kind of emptiness that a lot of people are feeling, and the inner world is actually kind of the only place where you can find fulfillment. So the research is quite clear that like this type of inner work, if it's done correctly, actually has the power not only to help people feel better and become happier, but, but more importantly, from my perspective, uh, they also become better neighbors, better parents, better friends. And, and in the long run, I think that if we're going to build a sustainable society uh, together, because what we have right now doesn't really seem to be sustainable, if we're going to build a sustainable society in the long run, uh, it will be built by individuals who have done their fair share of inner work. So it's, you think it's safe to say that to actually have some kind of chance when it comes to creating a sustainable future that we leave behind a world that is actually a beautiful place for our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all the generations to come, that it shouldn't be just a privilege to be able to, to do this kind of inner work, but, it, but almost a responsibility. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, if you look at the, the global sustainability goals that we have, and also the entire sustainability movement around the world, like it's a beautiful thing, but, but I don't think that we've kind, of, we've kind of paused there and said, okay, we have these goals of, of solving these problems around the world, but actually we as human beings have created all of these problems. Like we are the root cause of the biggest problems the world is facing today. It's human behavior. So, I mean, human behavior comes from human values. Like what do we think is important is what drives our behavior. And those values that we have today are focused around individualism. So that's a story of me not being connected to people around me or society or the planet. And it's focused on me being, you know, this rational individual that, that is fully transparent, that I know exactly what I want and what I need in life. So a very, it's not a humble and a meaningful um, approach that we've been taught. Like that's not the culture that we're that we're embedded in, and that culture in itself is what is creating the problems of today. So, so at the kind of fundamental level, uh, we really need to see that that it's inner growth and a maturing of the values that we have as individuals and society that is the birthplace of a sustainable future. Uh, there is no way around that. Uh, because human behavior is driving the problems that we have in the world today. Uh, but that is, the problem with that insight is that it's uncomfortable. Like, I'd love to just say that, like, I'm the sustainability guy, and I recycle, and I'm 
I'm <laughs> vegan and, and, you know, I drive an electric car and therefore I'm, you know, super, I'm a good person. That's, a, that's like a trap. Uh, it's much more interesting to see how am I part of an unsustainable system and how am I part, how, like, my brain, everybody's brain wants to identify as them being the solution. And I think the more responsible way of approaching this is saying, and it's a really important thing to do, is asking, how am I actually the problem, not the solution? And, and living in that uncomfortable space and exploring like, wow, there's actually, there's sorrow here and there's pain here. And I'm actually part of a system um, that is completely unsustainable. Like it will not sustain itself into the future. And if we can be in that place, dig a little bit deeper before we throw ourselves over, uh, you know, superficial solutions, I think what we'll find is that we need to change the story of what it means to be human. It's not about us as individuals. We don't fully understand how society works or how we work. Uh, we need to become really good listeners and much more humble in the way that we navigate the world, run companies, run governments, and also understand that we seem to be so incredibly interconnected. Um, like no person in the world knows how to create a pencil. Um, like nobody can, you know, uh, build a pencil by themselves. It sounds crazy, but if you think about that, uh, that fact that not one person on the planet can build a, a toaster or a computer or a pen or all the stuff that you need to live your life. It's actually just like the way, the reason why your life is working is because we are this interconnected, uh, cooperative species, but we're not considering that when we're acting. And that's kind of eating away at the foundation that society is kind of standing on. So I think that by reconnecting with values, becoming more present, becoming more brave, and be able, being able to hold more negative emotions in our lives, we can actually slowly become a more positive force in the world uh, and you know, add to just a little bit more of what can become a more sustainable society. So this is where personal growth is much more important than just, you know, me and my pain and I'm having this struggle in my life, but actually seeing that like me healing that pain will impact the rest of my life and all the relationships I have throughout my entire life moving forward. So, I mean, and this is, I think one thing that, that I, like the research that changed my life, I think, and the way I see myself and and the world around me is, so there's this researcher called Niklas Christakis, and he follows how change is created in people's lives. And what he found was immense, like it was so amazing uh, that behaviors, like the, the, core, the core factor of change in your life is not necessarily you. It is the people around you. And it's how you are acting in those relationships. So if I, for example, vote, the odds of you voting as my friend, uh, you know, they increase by, you know, massive amounts. And then that spreads to you and it spreads to all of your friends. And the same goes for, you know, what we eat uh, or uh, if we exercise or not. So looking at, looking at human beings from that perspective of this kind of network effect, uh, you see that we are parts of this whole, but we just don't realize it. We are part of something meaningful and you are impacting millions of people's 
lives already today. No matter how many followers you have, no matter who you are, no matter if you're, you know, the bus driver um, or a, you know, big politician, the, the actions that you are leading your life with are spreading as, I mean, the references or the metaphor isn't, isn't that uh, great, but, but like viruses uh, or, um, you know, uh, just, yeah, it's just mind blowing to see that, that everything we do in our lives actually comes from our values and our perspectives. That is what drives our behaviors and our behaviors in turn are impacting and spreading throughout the entire societies. So, so therefore, uh, if you work through something and you heal something in your life, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not super important that you do it only for yourself, but you're also doing it for all the people that you love. Oh, it's so, so absolutely true. And I think this becomes extraordinarily evident the moment you become a parent, how clear it is to see that on the days when I have done my work, on the days where not necessarily when I'm the happiest or most excited or always grateful, butterflies and rainbows, but the days when I can be present with how I'm feeling, those are the days when I'm the best mother I could possibly be. You know, not when I'm putting on the brave face, soldiering through, numbing myself, pretending everything's okay, but the days where I'm true to how I am, I'm true to how I'm feeling in that moment, that's when I can be totally present as a mother and I can share the tools that actually work for me also with her. And it's just, I, I actually, it's, it's such an interesting way to look at it in terms of it's our responsibility to heal what's broken inside of ourselves. But then of course the challenge becomes that it's, it's up until now, it's been a huge privilege to even have the tools to do this kind of work. And that's for me the, the, the most life-changing part of 29K is that it's available to everyone with a phone and it's for free for everyone, hopefully forever. And um, I'm so proud and honored to have been included. I'm just kind of nervous <laughs> that this is, all, this is all out in the world right now, but um, I'm proud of you, proud to be your friend and um, just grateful. Thank you for the for the work you do. Yeah, yeah, and thanks for bravely being part of something that that hasn't been uh, created before, but uh, but now is. Uh, I mean, now for anybody who wants to work with you know a feeling of unworthiness or feel alone with their journey, uh, there is this place, and it will continually you know with everybody's learnings and improvements become better over time. Um, and I mean, for me, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I actually, I met, um, I met, uh, Barack Obama this summer and, and he, he had earlier spoken of him cause he, he met the, the, the heads of state in Sweden and he said, like, I, I actually, and this is on YouTube, it's really cool. Uh, so he said, I actually have a lot to owe to, um, to uh, Scandinavia and to, uh, to the Scandinavian folk schools. Because back around 100 years ago, there were these folk schools that were just like 29K, but it was actually physical meetings where people sat in circles and they got to know themselves better and they worked with personal growth, basically. And he said that, that there was this um, Danish folk school that, um, that had been visited by a guy from, from Tennessee. Uh, who He stayed there. He was a principal. He stayed there for a year, and then he went back to Tennessee. And I think this was like in the 40s. And then he started the Highlander Folk School. 
so Barack Obama was telling the story to the heads of states, and the heads of states of Sweden were or Scandinavia. They were like, <laughs> they didn't know what he was talking about. Because uh, he was like, these folk schools, we don't know anything about them. We're like, isn't that what grandma did when she was young? And then he said that this principal went back to Tennessee and he started the Highlander Folk School, where both Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks went and went through personal growth processes. That uh, And there's quotes from Rosa Parks saying that she would never have had stayed in her seat in the bus unless she had felt that she had that community and that process of finding what finding the courage to stand up for what she she thought was right and so then barack obama he ended with saying that maybe he wouldn't have been president if it weren't for these types of folk schools that, that have spread uh, all over the world so I, I spoke to him about this, and, and I said wow. that we're trying to build uh, we're trying to build a full school, but without limits of the amount of, of uh, participants that we can have. So we can have more Rosa Parks, more Martin Luther Kings, or you know, whatever change makers that can come out of individuals having more access to their courage, to uh, compassion, to what they think is important in life, what they want to contribute to. For me, that's that's really something to uh, to fight for. I mean, building this has been the hardest thing I've done in my entire life. But but that that story really gives me uh, hope that I mean that we could together build something really healthy as human beings and be proud of what we're going to give to our grandchildren, uh, like the state of yes. society in the world, fifty years down the line, yes. hundred years down. I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, if we see a course with uh, Barack Obama leading his own course on 29K <laughs> someday soon. It's coming. <laughs> so for everyone listening, you can go to the App Store, download the app, just type in 29K. Ooh, so what does 29K mean? Where does that name come from? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> so the, <laughs> why this weird name? So... Uh, you live roughly 29,000 days in a lifetime. So that's why we named it 29K. It's basically to honor that and to try to make your days matter. So so that's where the name comes from, that you live 29,000 days in a lifetime. To make each one of those days count. So you can go to the App Store, type in 29K. You can also go to 29K.org for all the information. I uh, am so excited to see how everyone's going to respond to this course and excited for many, many, many people to watch me cry and blow my nose and bare my heart and soul on this course because it's one of the most uh, intimately beautiful things that, that I've ever done. Thank you so much. And uh, <laughs> I love you so much. And I'm so, so proud of you and so excited for that, for this birthday today. <laughs> Yeah, I love you too. It's, uh, it is an amazing journey to open up to all these, uh, hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully this will be something that, that really will move people. So, um, so it's, it's been amazing to build this so far. I'm looking forward to, uh, to continuing the journey with you. Yes, so am I. Thank you for coming on the show, Eric. Everybody, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and a special thanks to our guest, Eric Fahrenholm from 29K. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you normally get your podcasts. Of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work and thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.